Northwest Christian School Online provides online Christian education for any students ranging from kindergarten to 10th grade. The tuition is fully covered through the state of Arizona's ESA program and is affordable for families out of state. You can count on NCS Online for a rigorous, proven online program that establishes a robust biblical worldview for all students. For more information, go to ncsonline.org. That's ncsonline.org. That's why we pray your kingdom come. If it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, the kingdom of God is upon you. This is an upside-down kingdom. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Well, Tuesday, November the 8th, and we're back, and, and just so thrilled to have back for a second day. Uh, yesterday, we had introduced you to uh, two of the pastors from the Jesus Church, Aaron and Kyle. Jesus Church is located right there uh, on 20, 29th Avenue and Greenway Road, so literally right around the corner from, from Northwest Christian School in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, you guys have, have kindly agreed. We had a great, stirring conversation about freedom. I think mm-hmm. one of the things that it, we talked about yesterday that was was really kind of uh, an upset the apple cart moment was that opportunity that if we're not careful, the enemy can come in and, and put us, regardless of the fact that we're walking in Christ, regardless of the fact that we are new creations, we can still experience bondage mm-hmm. if the enemy may, may not come in through the door. But if we open a window, he'll surely come in and, and, and produce destruction. Uh, but, but you have kind of walked through four different steps um, and again, uh, you're not a four-step guy. It, you want to talk about that? Why? Why is four steps? As we think about steps, they sometimes they can be kind of dangerous. Yeah, it just seems like a lot of us are, we're preconditioned to want to just check boxes. And so, if I want to take the easy way out, then it's just, hey, just give me the four steps and let me do that real quick, and then I'll be better. But we all know that the Christian life is a journey. It's not just checking boxes on lists. It's a process. Uh, that's what sanctification is. It's a process of becoming more like Jesus. And so uh, we're forgiven, and we're forgiven once, and that's great. But we live a life of of sanctification and becoming more like Jesus every single day. And so the concept of just saying, hey, here's four steps to freedom is really misleading because it's more than just steps. It's a whole journey. And uh, I walk with my wife two miles every night, and it's it's a journey. It's many, many steps. You can't take a journey with four steps. <laughs> you can walk to your couch in four steps. <laughs> and so I think it just – it becomes a little bit of a misconception if people think, oh, this is easy. It's just four steps to freedom. Uh, and I never want to convey that. Yeah, so true. So true. So I'm going to, but maybe we can, not so much four steps, maybe we look yeah. at these as four uh, road marks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, on the on the way to, on the journey through our lives towards freedom, these are, are four things that uh, as you make that journey, you're going to experience, uh, you're going to need to experience mm-hmm. as, you, as you walk across that map. Uh, number one, I think, is fundamental, but I think it's really hard. Mm-hmm. It, number one says, at some point, we have to recognize we need help. Mm-hmm. Can you guys unpack that one for us? Yeah, um, I've experienced this in my life. Um, until you admit you need help, you're not going to accept help. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are people out there that want to help you. Uh, God wants to help you. 
And there's just, there's so many things there for us, but we have to accept that gift. We can't just deny that we're doing anything wrong and think we're going to get better because you're not cleaning the mess that's right in front of you. You're just going to keep walking over it. You're going to keep stumbling over it. So until you actually realize what needs to be worked on and what issue is in your life, um, you, you can't really fix it because you're just ignoring it. And, and you might be doing something and it might be um, cleaning up that mess a little, but you're really going at it blind and you're, you're going to miss a lot of the things in your life that um, are acting as a blockade to getting mm-hmm. to the destiny that God has for you. Wow. Yeah. Love it. Number number two, um, there's this is again another fundamental one, but what's interesting to me is the second part of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you realize, repent to God and others, and uh, I I find personally I think that second part is a little bit of twist in the story for me. That's mm-hmm. hard. Oh but yeah. You guys want to unpack that one number two for us a little bit there? Once you realize. Repent to God and to others. Yeah, that's the hard part, right? Because how many times have we struggled with something in our life and we're, we have no problem telling God because obviously he already knows what happened. But the fear of man will stop us from doing so much in our yeah. lives. And so when we're afraid of what someone's going to think, and again, that comes from the lie of the enemy, that uh, someone's going to look at you different, you're going to get rejected. And uh, we all have inside of us this self preservation thing where we uh, we want to protect ourselves and that sort of shows up in the first part with the realize you have an issue Uh, we don't want to think that I could have an issue Uh, we live in a society that's always saying oh it's someone else's fault or this is a reason that I am the way I am or or I'm the victim instead of actually taking ownership for what we're we're going through but once you get to that point and you realize that there's an issue and you repent before God and you repent to God and say, God, I, I sinned against you. And in the story of the prodigal son, when he goes to his father, he says, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And one of the ways that we find freedom is through accountability mm-hmm. and shedding light on things in the darkness. We know the enemy loves to work in the dark. He loves to work in isolation. He loves to work um, in shame. And all that stuff happens in the dark. And so when we can shine as much light on uh, sin or bondage in our lives, then it just brings freedom. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for Jesus uh, in our lives and to shine light on all these things. So that can be an accountability partner. It could be your spiritual authority, your husband or your wife or your mom or your dad if you're a kid. Um, But we have to not only pray and say, God, I'm never going to do this again, because we've all done that, and we've seen, oh, I did that again. We need that that accountability, that discipleship aspect to it. And so many people, they're fine with the first part, but they're not willing to go through the second part. And they, they don't walk in the freedom, and they don't experience everything God has for them because they're not willing to go the full distance. And you, and you know it's from the enemy because they'll tell you two lies. Either your sin's not big enough and that you can't bring it to someone who's gone through more than you, huh. or your sin's so big that nobody will ever look at you again the same. Mm-hmm. Well, what has he just given you? He gives you a parameter where you will never share because either your sin's too small or your sin's too big. So now you've created this, this, this uh, pass-fail where now you can't share at all. 
So now when you want to bring it to someone, you're like, well, either these two things are going to happen. So now I'm just going to sit here and just not tell anyone. Well, what has just happened? The enemy has isolated you in this situation. Wow. Yeah. And just the whole concept of what repentance is. And a lot of times we think repentance, which in the Greek is the word metanoia, which means to change. Meta and noia is mind. Uh, We think, oh, well, that just means changing my mind about sin. But it means so much more than that. That's part of it. But we need to change our mind about how God sees us. We need to change our minds about how we see ourselves, that we are actually created in the image of God. And those things that we do aren't our identity. They don't define us. Uh, The enemy will try and tell us they define us, but they don't. And so we have to repent, not just from sin, but change our mind about who we are, about who God sees us to be, who we see God to be. And then once we do that, then we go to other people and we confess as well. Wow. And there's, you know, there's there's a difficulty. Um, we mentioned this yesterday, this idea of arrogance, mm-hmm. of pride that's, that's so dangerous. Because there's, like, for example, in my life, and I'm sure, you know, you guys lead within an organization, you're, you're pastors, I'm a Christian school superintendent, and there's this logical syllogism that we all get. It's number one, you know, point number one, I am a human being who is subject to his sinful nature. Mm-hmm. Number two, I am a Christian school superintendent. Mm-hmm. So therefore, number three, I am a Christian school superintendent that sins. Mm-hmm. And there is the lie of the enemy that comes to me and says, hey, man, dude, you're a Christian school superintendent. If, if people know that you're out there sinning, you're doing this or that, you're not going to be a Christian school superintendent for very long. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, again, it's one more attempt by the enemy mm-hmm. to isolate and to separate me from my community, from accountability, um, and to destroy. Yeah. Absolutely. So that, the number two, it, it, you know, that that particular step in the journey mm-hmm. is it seems simple when you <laughs> when you first read it, but oh my goodness, it's it's a little bit more than it's that. It's a hard pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Number three, renounce the lies of Satan. And and your sub point here is this is a hundred percent truth. Mm-hmm. Every bondage, and this is a point you made well, and I think is really deserving of attention here. Um, every bondage begins with a lie. Mm-hmm. So can you unpack those ideas? Renounce the lies of Satan, and every bondage begins with a lie. Yeah, I, I think that's so true. And when you take a step back and look at your life and the things that you struggle with, you can always see a lie. And we convince ourselves that that lie is the truth. In the story of the prodigal son, you have the older son, who we usually see as the good son, and he's struggling with his brother who's come home and is getting all this attention, and now he's getting things from his dad. And it's really cool because in the story you can see an open window that the enemy starts to walk through, like in real time. And so you've got the son, and he's talking to his dad, and he believes two lies. One was that you've never given me anything. And two was, I've never sinned against you. Well, he's a son. He's a kid. I mean, I've got kids. That's not true. And we know he's not Jesus. So he has transgressed. He has sinned at some point. So, and he believes this lie. Like he's telling him, his dad, this as a valid in his mind point. And so not only is it that the enemy will lie to you, but we identify with that lie. We see that from the very beginning in Genesis with Eve, who identifies and believes in a lie from the enemy, opens the door to her life and brings in sin 
literally sin into the world. And so, so many times we, in our lives, we struggle with bondage or resentment or hurt or unforgiveness, whatever it might be. And it all comes because of a lie. That person doesn't care about me. That person doesn't like me. That person walked by me, didn't say anything, or looked at me in a certain way. All of those things, what do they do? They isolate us. They make us feel something is reality that isn't actual reality. And it's all based off of the world that the enemy's trying to get us to live in, which is not the world that God wants us to live in. And it's full of darkness and isolation and sorrow. And um, I think ultimately hopelessness is what the enemy is trying to get us to live in. And well, we live in a world that is full of a lot of hopeless people. Yeah. Wow. Number four, um, receive the gifts of the father. Mm -hmm. And here you kind of wrap your, you, you wrap those, the concept of gifts around three particular gifts so that, you know, we're justified through faith, mm -hmm. uh, not of ourselves. It's the right. gift of God. But then we begin walking through this process o over the course of our entire lifetimes. None of us gets to wake up on a certain morning and say, well, that's it. I'm sanctified. It's done. <laughs> you know, but we'll, we'll experience the sanctification process over the course of our lifetimes. But as we do that, you point out three gifts mm -hmm. that um, are critical in yeah. that journey. Can you talk about those, those three gifts? The first one, in the way that Jesus talks, he usually puts his uh, most important point at the beginning. And so the first one he gives is, the, um, in the story of the prodigal, again, uh, the son, when he comes home, the prodigal, his dad gives him three gifts. And the first one is a robe. And we know that in Isaiah uh, 61.10, the Bible says that he has covered me with a robe of righteousness. Mm. First thing that we have to accept when we come home to the Father and we're, we're trying to find freedom from the lies of the enemy, the isolation of the enemy, whatever it might be, is we have to realize that we have a robe of righteousness. And that's not my righteousness. It's uh, not my parents' righteousness. That's righteousness that comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. Um, so many times we try and earn our righteousness because we want to be justified by works. We want to be able to say, okay, well, I did this and I did this, so I deserve to go to heaven. I deserve to have a relationship with God. Well, we all know that none of us come anywhere near being righteous enough with our acts or our works to attain salvation. Uh, so we have to come to the place where I, I understand that my righteousness is a robe that comes not from me, it comes from my Father. He's given it to me even though I've left him, I've abandoned him, and I've sinned against him. And so accepting that robe of righteousness is, is so important. And then the second one is authority. Um, just this concept of um, the Father gives his son a ring. And when you look at the story of Joseph, the the Pharaoh gives Joseph a ring, and that signified authority over um, all of the lands. And when we want to find this whole idea of, of freedom in Christ, we have to realize we have authority. Jesus says that he's given us authority over um, principalities and powers, uh, over scorpions and serpents, which are um, representative of those things. And we have to realize that I do have that authority. It's an authority that God's given me through um, Jesus and his sacrifice of, of mm -hmm. sin and, and shedding it on the cross for 
for us. And so I live in the authority as a son or a daughter of, of Christ, of God. And in that, as being a child of God, that means that I have the authority over the enemy. And then third is just um, the father gives the son sandals. And with sandals, you can walk. You can walk a path of righteousness. Uh, it gives you the ability to walk in a way that, that you can't walk if you just have um, bare feet. And so there's this concept of like the father, when we have been in bondage, we have the ability to walk the path that the Christian is supposed to walk now. And so these are three things that God wants to give us. When well, we're in your struggling. message, too, you, you, mm-hmm. you said something that I thought was fundamentally um, interesting and kind of uh, uh, paradigm shifting for me mm-hmm. was that, you know, that the those sandals give yeah. you the the power, power to walk. And you make the point that power isn't mm-hmm. something Someone. It's someone. Mm-hmm. And I, that, for me, that was an aha moment. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. So, well, guys, listen, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to need to get you guys back onto this campus. And as I'm sitting here listening, I'm realizing you're going to get an invitation to speak in one of our chapels. Let's go. Coming up pretty <laughs> quick because this is good stuff. And I can't wait to get it in front of the community. But, folks, I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If, if you're sitting here today and, and maybe you are just haphazardly committed to a church, maybe you're not fully invested in the community of a church, I would urge you to look for a church that is Bible-believing and Christ-centered. And I'm not sure that you're going to immediately be able to find a church uh, with a name more spot-on than the Jesus Church, located right around the corner from us down on Greenway and 29th Avenue. There's some pretty special things happening there. Uh, and guys, thank you for coming today. I really thank can't tell you how much us. I appreciated yeah. it. This has been great. All right. Well, we'll talk to you soon. And folks, thank you for participating in, in a Kingdom Culture Conversation. Take care. Northwest Christian School has made Biblical Worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit, regardless of whether they attend public school, private school, charter school, or homeschool. Frameworks is an exciting new initiative utilizing the learning management system of Grand Canyon University. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com.